All right, Steve, what do you Dan. do? What do you do? So we just walked through Hireview and we saw a Star Wars pinball machine that you have some ownership of. I do, yeah. So that's that's one of the things I do on the side. So I've got my day job, which actually coincidentally is here at Hireview. I've um, happily been here almost five years, but a couple of years ago, we were going through and expanding from one floor into another and creating a whole new game room area for our employees. They do a really good job of keeping it, you know, kind of the attitude of work hard and play hard, let the employees take breaks. Um, and so I was talking with the admin, and I'm like, hey, you know what we need down there? We've got ping pong, we've got a foosball table, there's a little arcade machine nobody ever plays, we need a pinball machine. And um, she was an easy sell. She's like, I love pinball. That's a great idea. Let's do it. So I helped them go through and find a pinball machine in their budget with the agreement that I would work on it and do repairs, you know, labor-free. they just pay for parts and things like that. And that was going great, and people were liking it. But then after about a year and a half or so, um, company continued to do, um, to do really well. And we hit our numbers after another year. And so I went into our, our new CEO at the time, and I was like, hey, you know how we have this pinball machine down there, Kevin? He's like, yeah, I hear, hear you're the guy. Let's, let's talk about it. And I said, well, I want to talk to you about getting a second one. Because we've done so well, I think everybody deserves it. And you know, he kind of laughed. Um, but he's like, "Yeah, no, let's, let's, it's that's a great idea. Let's do it. How do you want to do it?" And by this time, I had figured out the idea of instead of me just helping people buy a machine and work on it for free, what if, since I like this so much, what if I actually went through and kind of did a little bit of a service and I bought the machine and I just rented it out to them um, and threw in all the cost repairs and parts into that. Um, and if I could get a couple of clients, then I could get two or three machines get them to kind of help foot the bill, honestly, right, to help pay off the machines initially. And then every six months, um, that's what I ended up on, but every few months, um, I'd just be able to rotate the machines around between the companies, and that way I'd keep it fresh. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things I had noticed was the one pinball machine we had, the Simpsons pinball machine, people liked it, but I had noticed the, um, the rate of play was, was, you know, slowly going down. It was not as popular as it used to be. So I was like, wow, if we could, like, get these cycling through, that'd be great. For me, it'd be great, kind of help pay for my hobby, I love working on these things as much as I do playing them. And anyway, that's kind of where it started. And I, I got higher view and I was able to get one more person out in Tooele. Now I've got another company downtown um, working on trying to get my fourth now. Got it. That's so, like the last six months. So this, so. before this one came over here to higher view, you had a hobby in yeah. of fixing and running pinball. So at your house, do you have pinball machines? Pinball and arcade machines, yeah. I actually, I don't have any pinball machines at my house right now. I just have the ones that I'm, that I'm renting. Um, I had my first pinball machine, it was 11 years ago is when I got it. Um, I was big into, I was always kind of big into retro games and things like that. Um, probably because I always loved arcades, but I didn't get to go to them all that much as a kid. Okay. Um, so I loved the few chances I got to go to them. I always wanted to go to them more, but I wasn't really near one, didn't have the opportunity much. Anyway, so that never went away. And I remember this was like, again, probably about 12, 14 years ago, 15 years ago, um, I started hearing about this um, this community on, um, online uh, about the MAME emulator, Multiple Arcade Machine Emulator is what it's called. Okay. It's this giant open source project, all these guys, the main couple of guys are in Europe, I don't know, Amsterdam or, or Czechoslovakia, you know, Czech Republic or somewhere over there, um, but it's all across the world. All these guys were going through basically and saving all the old game ROMs, the game files for all these old arcade machines that were disappearing mm -hmm. from, you know, Namco and um, Konami and... Sega and Data East, all these old um, game companies that are gone, right? Yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. no one really knows who owns them. It's kind of this gray area of, like, you can't really rip them off and pass them around, but no one's there to enforce the, the copyright. It's so old. Anyway, so this community <laughs> had sprung up with, with all these computer hackers going through and saying, you know what? 
I can go through and create an emulator and play this back. And they started doing that, but trying to get one emulator that would play all the different games from all the different manufacturers over the years, you know, from like all through the 80s, like it was really a big undertaking because you have your Nintendo emulator, your Sega emulator, your Atari emulator, but just for general arcade machines, there was no like common OS, right? Okay. So they're all different. Anyway. Yeah, because there was no OS back then at all. Yeah, so. they were all kind of one-offs <laughs> almost, right? For each yeah. company, we kind of have their own thing. But <laughs> So this project was all about going through and creating a platform where you could do that, and I fell in love. I was like, oh, I want to do this. So I set up my own machine and started doing it, and then I was like, this isn't the same, though, without like a full-size cabinet and buttons you can mash instead of just mashing your keyboard and joysticks, you know? like. And so I saw there were people going through and building their own cabinets. Mm-hmm. And sharing their plans and find, so showing where you can get the parts. And so I dove right into that um, headlong with another buddy of mine. We went through and built his um, arcade machine. We kind of had a race. He built his. I built mine. We helped each other, but we did most of the work ourselves. Um, I still have that one in my basement. It's kind of my first prototype. I'm a little bit embarrassed by it because I learned a lot <laughs> for subsequent yeah, machines. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I liked it so much, felt confident. I went through and put up an ad on eBay and started selling them. Um, I sold three custom arcade machines um, over that next year. Um, two of the orders came in Thanksgiving weekend, and both customers wanted delivery by Christmas. <laughs> and so over the next month, I tried to keep my day job and worked my butt off at nights and on weekends in my garage to build these arcade machines to get them out to the people on time. And that was enough to convince me that so there was not enough money So you were building arcade machines from scratch, your own arcade machine? Yeah. Went through okay. and built it from scratch. Just put in a simple PC. This is back before Raspberry Pi and all those things. Put in a simple Windows PC that I'd set up to auto-boot into this front-end system called MAMWA, great platform, that would basically load up all the game ROMs you had, that you had loaded into the computer. Okay. So the customer could take their game ROMs, dump them onto the hard drive in, in the folder I told them to. Everything else was pre-configured and set up to where they had to turn on the computer. They would open up to this menu and just list out all the games. And they could just select one with a button and start playing it. Okay. Without putting in quarters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how I got into it all. Um, while I was doing that, I found out what one of my neighbors who was in um, there in my neighborhood, he was big into pinball, um, Jason King. Uh, if you're around anywhere, Jason King, if you ever hear this, probably not, but thanks to him <laughs> and his love of pinball, I, in my sense, I feel like I graduated from arcade machines. Some people disagree with that. They're both great. Um, uh-huh. But I always had even a little bit more of a deep passion for pinball. Okay. Because it is so much more complex, right? I mean... Not necessarily the games. Arcade games can be very complex and great also, right? But as far as just like um, materially, right? Like architecturally, there's so much more to a pinball machine yeah. as far yeah, as yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah. chrome Parts and the and bells and all the things you interact with. It's, so that really fascinated me so much more. Um, and he had a bunch in his garage. He was fixing for people. He's a great repairman. And he kind of took me under his, under his wing one summer and showed me all the, all the basics of pinball repair and restoration. And I'm no magician by any means, but I learned, learned the good basics from him and and that got me into pinball. So I bought my first pinball machine, High Speed 2 Getaway, um, created by Stern back in the day. Um, or no, sorry, Williams back in the day. It's a Steve Ritchie machine. Um, who, he was a game designer. But anyway, that's where I started. I had that for a couple of years. Um, and then I sold it because I was going to upgrade to an um, Indiana Jones machine. But between the time when I sold it and found one to buy, that money that I had... Um, I had gotten from selling the machine, ended up having to go elsewhere because real life happens all too yeah, often. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> next thing I knew, I had even more kids and more expenses, and I don't know, it just kind of never fit in. So I was without anything for a long time other than the arcade machine I had at home. Got it. I'm very long-winded, so you'll have to edit is, that part this out. Is but yeah, I just can kind of go this on is, long stories. So. This is awesome. So you've, 
you had a period without an arcade machine. The funny thing is the way you say that, it's like that moment without a relationship. Like in the notebook where she takes off to New York and yep. he stays. <laughs> it's, it's always been, I mean, it, it's, it's been years since I've had one in my home. Um, but that's always been, it's always been on my list of, you know, it's just a matter of time. Like one day I, I got to get back around to that. I want to do that. Uh-huh. One of my tax refunds, something kids will get out of the house, something like, you know, every time we've moved home, it's been like, all right, that's where I'll put a pinball machine when I have one again. And yeah. You know. So when, when a, the opportunity struck here at Hireview, was that the end of that, that um, what's the word, disappearance? The, the Almost. Short between? It's, it's filled most of the void, not entirely. Okay. Um, as I talk with people, I, I consider myself really lucky because um, it's funny, pinball machines, back in the day, um, here's another story for you, but um, they have what are called, I mean, you got, you got arcades, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have people who run routes is what they call it. Instead of okay. a paper route, you run a pinball machine route. Okay, yeah. So you'll see them in restaurants, right? And at bars, whatever else, right? There's still pinball machines out there. Um, those are almost never owned by the establishment. They're virtually always owned by a private individual who has a bunch of pinball machines, whether it's his hobby side job or his main job. Rarely it's a main job. but And they have the machines. They go and talk to the owner and say, hey, let's work a deal. you got some space. This will add some draw to your establishment. We'll take the money. We'll split it 50-50. I'll cover repairs and I'll rotate, rotate the machines through and you get 50% of the, of the quarters, right? Got it. So people um, will, will route them. Anyway, the point I'm trying to get to is in like the manual for Stern Pinball Machines, um, that was always their audience, like the arcade owners or the people who were routing them because the average homeowner was not buying pinball machines. That's still less common, though it's becoming more common nowadays the last, the last four or five years. Anyway, so inside their manuals and stuff where they talk about like how to set up your machine, how to, re- how to repair it, how to clean it, do your maintenance... There's a blurb in there saying, hey, and after, you know, after you get done, take a minute to sit back and smile and be happy that you're one of the few pinball operators who gets paid to play pinball. Because oh. they're assuming that you're you know, putting this somewhere and you're making money off of it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I feel even luckier because I don't have to go down across town to you know, a bar or to a restaurant or wherever else you know, and maybe sneak in a game after hours and just, just repair it. I actually work at one of the establishments where I'm renting machines, and so I'm with the machine every day. You even get to play with it. So I get yeah. to play with it all the time. And yeah. every six months, I'm getting a new machine to, <laughs> to play just like the employees are because I'm, I'm like double dipping here, right? So, But it's all free and clear. I mean, it's on the open. It's oh, it's on the open. It's great. It's, it's but it's still not the same as having one in my own home. I still still got to get back in one of my own home. So that should happen next year. But it sounds to me like as soon as you do, you're going to end up placing it somewhere like a foster child that needs to be in another house (laughs) there's a room dedicated for them so we're all good my my wife's okay with it so this thing this pinball thing has it been bouncing around in your head since you were literally eight nine as far as renting pinball machines no it really hasn't well but pinball the fascination oh yeah the fascination has okay in fact i forget right offhand i should look up on my phone really fast um i was just looking at it again a couple weeks ago there is a an artist um, a sculptor um, that does uh, these sculptures. They used to have one, um, boy, over in the old ZCMI um, mall. If you remember uh-huh. that, um, this giant sculpture. They have them down in the Hanson Planetarium. They still have one. Um, okay. Oh, I'm trying to look. This, give me one second here. I'm trying <laughs> yeah, to look, look up his up. name look so up. I can give him credit. That's what Google's for. Yeah. Let's see if I can find it really fast. Uh, what's it called again? 
dang, it's not coming up right now. I feel bad. I was just looking the other day. But he has these, these uh, kinetic energy or perpetual motion sculptures where he has balls, whether they're steel ball bearings or even like larger plastic balls or um, even I think some of them are wooden. And they're in these giant contraptions. And like, just, like a Rube Goldberg machine? Um, yeah, similar to that, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, he goes through and creates them where you'll have like a, you know, a motorized screw bringing the ball up to the top and then just gravity okay, is yeah. dropping it down and going across xylophone tiles and through all these different loops and everything you know. Similar, similar a little bit to like how a pinball machine works off gravity, right? Uh-huh. And those have always fascinated me. I really wanted to try to create one in my boys' room when we built the room this last time, but I didn't have the time or, or whatever to do it, so I haven't. But anyway, the fascination for that type of like interaction, I guess you know, has, has always been there. I've always loved those. I've always loved pinball machines. Um, that's always been around. The idea of like buying and renting and selling or anything else, that's, that's kind of a newer thing. Got so. it. Got it. Yeah. So now you see this thing actually happening. Like, here you are. How, how can I ask? How old are you? Um, I'm 42 years young. So 42 years <laughs> young. And so this thing's been growing, bouncing around your head the whole time, and now it's actually becoming something. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. I it's think it's slow. The reason I'm so excited about this interview is because that's like, that's the point, right? Like, there are a million ways to make money in the world. Yep. Like, business niches don't end. Right. As long as somebody has interest in something... There's going to be a way to make it to make it work yeah. in general, and, and I mean it's obviously you're not a billionaire off of this this idea. Oh no! But, but regardless, <laughs> that's not the point. The point is that that uh, you found a way. You found yeah. a way to even just double dip here at here yeah. at work, as you said, or or whatever. So, I guess congratulations are in order. Well, thank you. I don't know if there's a, if that's true or if you feel <laughs> that way, but almost. I feel like. I've got uh, I've got three clients. I'm hoping to get my fourth one locked in here soon. My goal was to have four clients in six months, so I'm I'm a month away from hitting that timeline. So hopefully I can. So that was my next that. question. So do yeah. you have a, a business plan? Do you are that kind of jazz or? Yeah, I mean it's loose, nothing super formal. But they're but kind yeah. of dying anymore. Like if you don't, people don't use them much. Oh yeah, you know, like a formal written down business plan. It's now. not a thing. Now, I've got an idea. I've got a couple of simple things around economics. I've calculated out what I needed to charge to be able to, you know, cover the average maintenance cost of the machine. I know generally what people make when they put them on routes, you know, and things like that. So I kind of know what I should be making, what's fair for an establishment. Um, but, I mean, I'm still kind of making this up as I go, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, so where do you see it headed? Where, um, where would you like to see it headed? You know, my wife asked me that, a couple questions, or asked me that question a couple of times, too. I'm not, I'm not sure. There's, like, I think of, like, my brother-in-law who was selling used cars for a long time, and he had a partner who actually now runs Forest Motors down on Provo and has done great and is, is doing um, great with, it, with his dealership. They were partners back in the day, my brother-in-law, Steve Clark, and they would go to the auctions, and I would go with them. This is way back when they were fresh out of college. And I'd help him, you know, bring some cars home, and he talked to me about kind of the economics and, like, there's kind of the sweet spot of, like, you know, I saw this number of cars, and I only need this size lot, I don't need don't need any employees yet. Like we can do it, my he can do it himself with like one assistant, myself one summer, you know. And if he started to like sell more than that, then suddenly he'd have to like get a larger lot. He'd have to start getting some help, and so his cost would also go up, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I have a similar situation here, where I myself I've got everything set up to where between my one pickup truck and just myself, and I'm not a big guy, as you can see, the podcast <laughs> camp. I'm I'm not a gigantic you know um, guy that you know helps people move their furniture around a lot, but between my hydraulic lift <laughs> and things like that. I've got a system figured out where I can get one machine easily in and out of my truck, out of my house, into a business. 
um, using elevators, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I can get them rotated around and cleaned and repaired, and I can manage that. And I feel like if I have um, six machines in service at one time, that's the number I can support and I can manage the rotation reasonably, you know. Getting much more than that is going to start to be the point where I wonder, like, okay, do I have to suddenly start changing and rotating them around a lot more frequently, which uh-huh. means a lot more schedule you know, hassle with my daytime job? Do I need to start getting, like, a small trailer so I can move more than one at once? My pickup only picks, you know, if it's one machine at once and things like that. And I don't know. I mean, not to say if suddenly I had, you know, 20... 40, 50 companies beating at my door and wanting you know, multiple pinball machines that I would say, no, I you can't handle the guys. Yeah. I'll have to figure that out as I go. But I wonder. I wonder, like, you know, I'm kind of com- I'm comfortable now with a handful. If I suddenly had 30 machines to deal with, would it become more of a nuisance of the worth? Would, would the fun go out of it for me? Like, I'm not sure. Yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to start looking at employees, that kind of thing. Yeah. And to get to that point, then I'd have to have, you know, a lot of machines to really be able to have, like, replace, like, a day job. You know, that'd be a whole other deal. And yeah. I... I really, I have no plans to ever make it that big, even if it could. I'm sure it would stop. It, would, it could be a very busy hobby, but I don't think I want to go beyond that. You know? Got, it. So. Got it. So if you had endless endless money to facilitate this process to make it easier for you or anything like that, what would you do with it? Oh, wow. That's a no-brainer, at least for right now, because I haven't done it quite yet. So the next thing on my, on, my, on my wish list or my bucket list is um, I would go through and start building my own custom ones from scratch. Okay. That's yeah. been a long dream also. Like, ever since I saw those sculptures and things, I was like, I want to build one of those. And once I got older and really, and again, Jason, I met Jason King. He really taught me the ins and outs of pinball and kind of demystified a lot of it. I'm like, oh, I want to try to build one of these. I was just thinking, like you said, with your son's room, it would be cool to have that side service to where guys are building building your houses and you could come in and say, I'm going to, I'll build you one. It's your house, your own, yeah. legit. Nobody else has this. Yeah, yeah, it would be fun. Fly to, fly to Chicago, fly out to New York, and build it for somebody. Yeah. <laughs> what an idea. Who even thought? I mean, I would have never thought from my place in life that, but just hearing you talk, there's an obvious, it could, there's a market. There's yeah. probably people there that would pay to have that happen. Yeah, pinball's, pinball's having a, a kind of a second renaissance. Um, I mean, it's golden day. Golden Age was back in the 70s and 80s and overseas as much as it was here in the U.S. as far as pinball manufacturers shipping things overseas and making money and they were doing great. Then Pac-Man came out and the arcades were like, wow, this thing has virtually zero maintenance costs and I'm making just as much money if not more on pinball machines. That was kind of the death of the pinball machine. Had a little bit of resurgence in the 90s. We got a lot of really great, awesome, fun machines being made. Adam's family being the most prolific that ever sold the most units ever back in 92 uh, from Pat Lawler. But then everything just kind of died. By 98, 99, they were all out of business other than Stern, who mm-hmm. stuck around, but was just eking by. But the last five, six years, we went from having one pinball manufacturer to now there's four or five that have really officially oh, announced themselves. Okay. They have one major competitor in Chicago called Jersey Jack. They've put out four or five machines. They're doing well. Um, there's another one over in England. There's a couple more kind of homegrown ones here in the U.S. Like it's starting to pop back up, and sales are on the rise. Values have skyrocketed. The machine, my high-speed getaway to um, high speed two getaway that I had back 11 12 years ago I got it for $1,500 it was in pretty good shape I cleaned it up had it for two years I sold it for $1,500 didn't lose any value now you can't find that machine for really much less than about three in the same condition um, okay. it's almost doubled the Indiana Jones I want to get back then that machine 
for a high-end restoration was going for thirty five hundred to four thousand. Now, if you can find one, they're going for eight or nine thousand dollars. Okay. New machines are all being sold for a good five thousand dollars. They're to, more than ten thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, it's uh, the number of people competing in tournaments and things like that is huge. In fact, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't go through and th- um, put a shout out to the Salt Lake Area Pinball Association called the Slap League. Okay. There's a group on Facebook. Um, public's welcome. They do competitions almost every month. Um, Dan Newman is one of the primary guys helping run that, along with Josh Craig and Jeff um, Rivera and Kelly Thompson. And I can't name everybody off, but there's a bunch of people involved there um, that welcome me and all sorts of places. So we'll, we'll go to some of the local um, nickel caves, like Nickel Mania okay. downtown in Murray or down in Springville, and a couple of the bar establishments, Campfire Lounge, Levi, um, run some great machines there. Um, to personal residences, there's a good number of people that have their own collection. They'll have four or five, six couple people have, you know, 20, 30 machines. And so yeah. we'll go to their houses. They'll invite us in and we'll play some games, have some tournaments. And That sounds like a rocking time, man. There's a national league. And so uh, we're in an international um, league, IFPA. Um, and you can play and become like the leader of your state and go to nationals and go to international championships and all this but stuff. But the Salt Lake version is SLAP? It's called SLAP, yeah. That's it's so we're, convenient we're that it. SL is the first part because yeah. it makes it all works. these wonderful acronyms. Yeah. All right, slap. So, yeah, lots of good stuff. Everybody should come out and play pinball. Look us up on Facebook. <laughs> good stuff. Open to the public. All right, well, anything else you want to tell us? Anything you want to say? No. This is, this um, is easily the, the most eccentric. and, and <laughs> I mean, I've, we, I've ta- covered some pretty crazy niches so far, but yeah. the pinball world niche, especially being here in, like, the millennial headquarters yeah. of the world in higher view, you know, now we've got... The pinballs is very cool. Yeah. So, no. Facebook, want to put your Facebook page or anything? Oh, like that? yeah. I'm not much of a social media guy. Um, it's my first initial, last name on Instagram, just Scondris, um, or I'm Steve Condris on Facebook. Um, you can find me. I've got a very unique last name, so I'm not hard but to track down. But I just down, liked but... your page. Your favorite oh, my company. Yes, of course. Boy, I'm not much of an entrepreneur, am I? <laughs> my company. <laughs> I swear, I just went on and, and followed in like your page. All right, so. scratch all that. I'm not interested in don't stalk me. There's nothing there to see. But my Facebook page, my company called The Pinball Room. There we go. There Thank we you, Dan. Go. Yes, thepinballroom.com. Um, that's where I have a simple little website and some information. You can follow me and like my page and see about the new machines I'm adding to the routes and uh, um, rent them out for parties, whatever you want. Like, yeah, hit me up. Okay, we'll do it. We'll try to keep it under six. Like yeah, yeah, six is the sweet spot. Maybe ten, I don't know. We could try it and see what happens. All right, sounds good. So I was curious on, just if I could take another sidebar, yeah. something I didn't ask. When you fix these things, does uh-huh. it take more than just a screwdriver? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not super complicated. There's, there's not like a ton of specialized tools. No, okay. I mean, it's pretty much standard tools. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, there's screws to deal with, bolts to deal with. There's a gazillion little fragile wire switches and things like that you've got to play with and uh, maintenance is the key is what i found so what's the best way for a guy to get good at, at, at doing repairs um honestly there's a there's enough of a community out there you can find videos and forums and blogs online where people will walk you through restoration tips and things like that okay. um and like i said if you're local the slap community here is group uh, is great um, that group them um, we've got several very knowledgeable guys in there who 
there's different eras of pinball machines. They have different levels of, of, of electronics and components. And okay. each person is kind of, I don't know if anybody's really a master of all of them, um, but we've got people who are great with what they call the old EM machines um, versus the solid state, more modern machines and things like that. So there's, there's resources for you out there. I'd say just start mm-hmm. Googling around or, you know, approach the group and ask somebody for help. Um, we're all very open. It's not anyone's trying to keep it a secret. Happy to teach you. And everyone's very cooperative, very yeah. generous with their time. So understood all right perfect steve that's it i appreciate it all right it's been fun it's been good to have you thanks